Hi everyone, welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is March 27th, 2018. Today I am joined by my guest, Dr. Robert Orr, Ambassador Robert Orr. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. Thanks for joining us on Tokyo on Fire. A lot is going on geopolitically, a lot is going on with the US-Japan relationship. You're right in the thick of it, and you have been involved in this, this realm I mean, we've known each other for, what, 30 years? Yeah, and 30 you've years. always been involved in, oh. in this kind of matrix. Yeah. Initially, you were with Motorola. You moved on to, to Boeing. You were the president of Boeing here in Japan. Yeah. And uh, you've just recently finished a stint as U.S. ambassador for yeah. the uh, Asia Development Bank, right. the longest-serving ambassador in Barack Obama's administration. Yeah. What, a, what a great honor to have you here. Thank you so much, Tim. A real pleasure to be here. You meet a lot of interesting people, don't you? You live in Kamakura. You live in, in <laughs> France. You, you have a place in Florida. Yeah. Uh, you run into a lot of interesting people, don't you? Well, I'm lucky in that sense. I, I, you know, a lot of people come to Kamakura and, and Florida, but I also meet a lot of people. I'm in D.C. because I spend a lot of time there as well, so yeah. That's not what I was talking about. You had lunch yesterday. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't have lunch, but I had a meeting with, uh, with my former boss, uh, President Obama. I was actually on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was great. So great I've, I've noticed a little bit of a, a jam in the traffic. He doesn't travel with a, a huge motorcade because he is only the former president, not yeah. the current president. So they have a limited uh, detail for him. He travels with, what, maybe six Secret Service? Well, I don't think he has that three many. Days? Uh, I don't think he has that many. He, he traveled with a lot of people who were from the Obama Foundation who were here, and they actually organized. Uh, I was a personal guest of, of President Obama uh, at the event yesterday. Um, but he's, he's got a lot of uh, interesting contact with Japan. You know, he first came to Japan when he was six years old. Uh, and the first time, the first, as he once told me, the first foreign town he ever visited in his life was Kamakura. Uh, How about that? Yeah, and he went uh. there with his mother. They were on. They were moving to Indonesia, and as he once told me, he said, "You know, um, my mom took me to the big Buddha in Kamakura." And he said, "And when you're six years old, it's really a big Buddha." Yes. Right, yeah. and it's interesting that you're living there. You invited him, of course, and he says, "Well, I'm a, I'm a little bit tied up now." We got him to come down in 2010. Okay, uh, when he was here for the APEC meeting in in uh, Yokohama, and I suggested to the White House that uh, that he had had this experience, and uh, I know Ambassador Roos was very much involved in this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mean to put too much of a shine on it, but I really am honored that you're here. You are. I mean, you are a regular guy. You're a guy like a lot of guys that I know, that I hang out with, that, that I've been doing business with. And look at how far you have gone and, and the, the amount of skin you have with uh, uh, Barack Obama. It's just really something. Could you tell me a little bit about how this, this kind of kernel started? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I was president of Boeing Japan. I, I you know, just like you, Tim, uh, you know, I worked on Capitol Hill as a, as a young buck. And mm-hmm. so I always had this interest in politics. And then... Uh, when I went to, um, you know, as I grew older, any time I was, like when I was a Motorola or I was an academic, I always liked to meet local politicians. <clears throat> and so when I became president of Boeing Japan, the Boeing had just moved to headquarters to Chicago. And so I told the staff when I went back, can you set up a, a breakfast with about three or four local uh, politicians? Because you had your D.C. office yeah, as well? Yeah, we had a D.C. office. and then, But I, I w- in the beginning, uh, they sent me all around the country to see various, you know, Boeing facilities to get me up to speed. So anyway, I, we had this breakfast, and uh, one of the politicians who came was a young fellow, in the, a young state senator named uh, 
Barack Obama. And uh, I, we just hit it off. And I, my relationship with him stemmed from that time. He's got some chemistry. Um, oh, yeah. Was it that you just particularly hit it off with him, or is there something else? I mean, uh, people that I know that have talked with him just indicate how warm and, and genuine he is. Yeah. Not like Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton remembered people's names, and he was also very genuine and, yeah. and kind of loving in a, in a kind of political way. Right. Yeah. Your heart went out to him, and yeah. his, his seemed to go out to you, too. Brock had a little bit of a different shtick. Yeah, I mean, I know Bill Clinton too, and and he's got the, an astounding memory for people that this is uh, mind blowing. But yeah, Bar uh, President Obama um, is is very very warm. In fact, uh, as an aside, uh, before Sunday, the last time I'd seen him was in January four of last year. He was saying goodbye to all of his non career ambassadors in the White House, mm -hmm. and we were all kind of glum. And he looked out at us and he said. Don't feel so blue. He said, just think, on January 20, you can call me Barack again. <laughs> well, we can still call you Skip, but you, are, you go by ambassador, right? Your yeah, excellency. Yeah. Uh, what a great thing. Ambassador. One of the great things about being an ambassador is that's a title for life, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like being a, a PhD or a, a doctor. Yeah, you if, get, you're, if you're confirmed in the Senate, you are you have that title for life. That's right. Well, yeah. what, what a great thing. Thank you for your, your work, and thank, thank you for... You for your dedication to, to the country. Thank you very much. Yeah. Tell us about uh, the Philippines and, and the uh, Asia Development Bank. How was that? What kind of a, a, a gig was that? Six years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I, they, they asked me about several possible posts. Um, and then the last one was Asian Development Bank. They came to me and they said, what would you think about <clears throat> going there? And I said, well, I, you know, I said, I don't know anything about these banks, but I know it's managed by the Japanese. Mm -hmm. And having been a long-term Japan hand, and I had written my PhD dissertation on Japanese foreign aid policy, I thought, I said, I think I might be able to help. And so it was a, it was a natural hookup. And then the president called me afterward, and I'd learned at that point that his mother had worked at the Asian Development Bank, and, and that had an influence, a little pressure. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but it's fascinating. It's, it, you think about the ADB. It's the, second, it's the largest regional uh, multilateral development bank in the world. Uh, only the World Bank is bigger than the ADB. Uh, the a AIIB, which is the new China bank, has more members, but it doesn't have the capital mm -hmm. that the ADB does yet. <clears throat> so it's a little bit like uh, it's a little bit like being ambassador to the United Nations. You have sixty-seven member countries, and uh, I was the first American elected as dean of the board of the ADB. Of the ADB. And so you're, I used to call it being. Uh, Senate Majority Leader with no power. Uh huh. Um, but you're constantly sort of balancing with all of these countries. And I think the place that I learned the most about that from was having been a Capitol Hill staffer. Does the United States have a bit of, a, a, of an advantage in that particular role, that particular position? Because there, there's a pecking order, obviously, yeah. for an organization like that. Um, we do and we don't. Um, on the one hand, the two biggest capital shareholders are Japan and the United States. It's about 15.7% of the capital in, for both countries. Mm -hmm. Japan is slightly more. Um, so Japan always has the presidency of the ADB. The, the, no other country so far has ever been, had the presidency. Um, and so if Japan and the United States are together, we own the bank. Uh -huh. um, but some, we're not always together. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have differences and we dispute those. And all that. But the, main, the most important thing, I believe, 
is for the United States is to do the right kind of nemawashi, the right kind of, you know, uh, digging the roots out to right. pull the, the plan out, you know, uh, greasing the system. Like we did with the tariffs. <laughs> That's another topic. But um, so I think that that, that, that helped a lot mm -hmm. that we were, able to, we were able to do that. I mean, certainly some of the developing countries in the beginning, they look upon the United States with a little bit of suspicion because, you know, we are so big and strong. But, you know, you know Tim, you're an old politician yourself. There are ways to to smooth that out. Right. And, and, and the main thing is to create trust. Mm -hmm. you, know. you have a relationship with the current uh, Bank of Japan Governor Kuroda. Yes, I do. That's, uh, that's kind of deep and it's, the tentacles go, go long, don't they? Yeah, indeed. I mean, he was the president of the Asian Development Bank when I first arrived in 2010 and he was there until 2013. Uh, I worked really well with Kuroda-san. I've got a lot of respect for him and, uh, um, you know, he's, he's, kind of academic in many ways, whereas his successor, who's also a very good friend of mine, Nakao-san, is not as academic. He's a bit more hands-on. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, uh, Kuroda-san is a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. yeah. Skip, I think it wouldn't be a, a stretch to say that you are an expert in U.S. foreign policy, particularly as it relates to, to Asia, and maybe with a, a little bit of a, a tinkling on, on the U.S.-Japan relationship yeah. because of your, your length of experience here. What's going on now in U.S. foreign policy must just have you at odds with, you know, how you can participate in that dialogue, what's going on, what the, what the projection is for uh, decisions that are being made now. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I think our viewers are really interested. A lot of people are just confused yeah. about what U.S. foreign policy is these days. Well, frankly speaking, it's a mess. Um, and part of it relates to the the sort of dereliction of duty as it relates to the Department of State, mm -hmm. in that we have... Tillerson's fault. Well, P Tillerson gets guidance from the White House, ultimately, mm -hmm. uh, or he did. Um, but I think he tended to manage the State Department like a corporation. And having been in government and in, uh, in, in as a president of Boeing, I can tell you, it's not the same. It's not the same. But at the same time, I mean, he, he was running a corporation that was two, three, four times as large as the State Department. But the difference is, is that, and also the difference between President Trump in, in this, is that uh, Mr. Tillerson had to report to a board. Mm -hmm. And right. President Trump has never reported to a board. And you, it is a whole different way of looking at things if you have to deal with a board. Now, part of the State Department is that so they're, they're, it's a conscious decision to gut the department. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what he said <clears throat> on the campaign trail. And, and it, we've got 50 ambassadorial posts that are not filled right now. Some critical <clears throat> ones. Very critical, including South Korea. Right. Um, we have uh, uh, 10 out of, I think, 15 assistant secretary posts that are unfilled. Uh, they may be in the, in the track, but we're over a year into this. Uh, this is really a critical situation, and uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, there's about 200 am former ambassadors who are generating a letter right now, and I'm one of the signatories, uh, and it's both Republican and Democrat, career, non-career, to send to the Senate. Wake up call? To say to the to Secretary of Designate Pompeo, you know, we need to address these issues, someone which I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the right thing to do. Right. Yeah. Well, apparently the president is bent on 
reducing the footprint of the U.S. government yeah. in, in foreign policy circles. It's this, you know, then we reduce our influence in the world. That's true. so facto. Mm -hmm. And so uh, <clears throat> that's the real danger. And I've seen it already. I, I was down at the, uh, the uh, APEC meeting in Da Nang uh, in uh, no, last November. First time I've ever seen this. Six or seven uh, CEOs walked out of the room when President, uh, President uh, Trump started to speak. It's not good. Mm -hmm. And the hallway, as you well know, in these international meetings, the, uh, the hallway chatter is more important than the Right. The, the, the What's going on at the podium? Itself, yeah. right? And so the hallway chatter was was really, uh. really, it was frankly a little depressing. So this this projection of, I mean, it's not a projection yet because we're still trying to figure out where the pieces go and what pieces yeah. are going to get filled. But this projection of, of U.S. foreign policy, it's it's going through a, a, a significant baseline change. Yeah. And how 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 does that affect the perceived or maybe the real power of the United States? In, in accommodating our allies and yeah. our friends and trade issues and things like well, that. Well, you know, mo most most power projection is based on perception anyway. I right. mean, it's not you know when when you get to the point where you're actually physically projecting that power, you probably lost much of the game. Mm -hmm. It's the inf it's the the inference of that power, which is what's which is what maintains peace. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I think another really critical part of that is that you have a president who who governs by tweets. And what it means is that if you're an ambassador of the United States and you, you know, issue a statement that you interpret to be American policy and then have it out-tweeted 24 hours later, it diminishes the influence of the United States tremendously because mm. of our credibility lapse there. So this is what's really important. We, we, credibility is what diplomacy is all about. Mm -hmm. And once we lose that, we lose the game. So how how does the Foreign Service, how does this this cadre of of you know people like yourself, I mean, 15, 20 years, you're you're in the mill before you kind of rise up and have even a chance to be considered as right. in an ambassadorial post. Right. Uh, this must must have a tremendous erosion on people who aspire to that. And because there's always that option, I can go corporate or I can go government. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and what we're seeing right now is that the, initially at least, the junior Foreign Service officers who have not invested as much of their time in a career in the State Department yet are departing. They're considering <coughs> other the, careers. The, the other option. And on, on top of that, there's a hiring freeze. So that's right. The, that's the right. bottom the bottom ranks are not being uh, accommodated. This is a critical situation. And then on the other hand, the senior ranks, the senior foreign service, those who are in ambassadorial posts now, or maybe about to be, are departing. Um, so I'm, we have many many mutual friends, Tim, mm -hmm. who are ambassadors uh, in many places in the world, and they're leaving because there is no go forward and they're being undermined all the time. So just sitting here talking on Tokyo on Fire about that, yeah, maybe it's going to change the dynamic. I kind of don't think so. But what this means is that the, the whole fabric of how foreign policy is laid out is undergoing a change globally because the United States kind of leads the charge and they kind of um, project what they're going to be doing, how it's going to be. And a lot of people have said all of the things that are being done by the current president have a an effect that, that goes beyond his administration, maybe two, three, five years. Yeah. And some of the decisions that are being made now, like the career advancement and the, yeah. the evisceration of the, the, foreign, uh, the, the foreign service, 
it's it's going to have a, a an echo, isn't it? It's going to take years to repair this. So that yeah. means, though, maybe it's not a repair. Maybe it's a realignment of how we do things. Yeah. What's what's the thought on that? Well, I I think right now we've we've only been into this this mess for a year. Um, but I think right now the um, uh, the thought is if there's new leadership in in four years or whatnot that mm-hmm. we're, we're going to try to go back and repair it. We've, we have a brilliant foreign service. I mean, these people are no, close. no kidding. And I, I myself was not a career diplomat. You know, I was a business guy and an academic, but I gained so much respect for the foreign service and working with them. And and not only the the State Department foreign service, there are other foreign services in other mm-hmm. parts of the government. Uh, they're pros. So, I mean, when we lose those people, it's critical. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did President uh, Obama have a visit to the uh, the current ambassador here in Tokyo? Uh, he did not. Um, and I, I'm Protocol not sh- dictates? Uh, no. I mean, it, I'm not sure what, what happened there, to be very honest with you. Um, but... Uh, that didn't take place. Now, I also heard um, that he that the ambassador may have been not in Japan this weekend, but okay. I, I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, by the way, I've, I've met and I have a great deal of respect for him. Oh, no, I think uh, I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah. You know, we're coming out of the, the Caroline Kennedy administration that went for uh, a, a bit, not, not the yeah. entire um, length of uh, the president's administration. But it's a different... Administration now, yeah. it's it's dramatically different. The whole family is there. Um, he's younger. Yeah. He's engaged. He's uh, and I, I'm I'm very hopeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have some significant challenges though. I mean, the the U.S. Japan relationship yes. is not altogether on the all fours. Well, and and I think you know, Prime Minister Abe took a chance. I mean, back in November of uh, just after the election, he immediately went there. And I would admit to you, I was critical of that. I felt that uh, I felt we only have one president at a time. Mm-hmm. Having said that, in retrospect, later on, I began to think a little bit clever may, may yeah. have been a good idea because he played to uh, to President Trump's ego, which is always important. Which we didn't know at that point. Uh, we knew, but we didn't know the extent of it. Right. Um, at least I didn't. Maybe mm-hmm. others did. Um, but having said that, it certainly doesn't seem to have worked out too well on steel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a real slap in the face of the Japanese. They're not even a major exporter of steel to the United States, and it's it's it's, uh, it's not it's a specialty kind of steel anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I think uh, that is a real problem. That, and I think that that uh, the other major issue with Japan, of course, right now is the situation in North Korea. And it's vital for the U.S. and Japan to cooperate on that. There's it's a, a little tricky, bit of a, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky business. Anytime you deal with Japan and, and the Korean Peninsula, it's never easy. Uh, and there is some worry among some that if there was going to be a con- conflict that the North Koreans might want to go after Japan rather than their brethren in the South. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't know about that. But um, but those, I think, are the two main issues right now that we face is the ter- and the territorial issues, the third one would be with China mm-hmm. uh, and how the United States backs that up. How they back it up and what the response is from the, the Chinese as You're well. Right, right, right. Three billion in somewhat retaliatory uh, tariffs <laughs> being uh, implemented or considered? That's right, and the Chinese, yeah, and they're, they're not going to roll over for, for this. And, uh, of course, the danger is this, and, and it's, it's, it's translated into the, into the stock market. Yes. I mean, you have a situation where it is totally volatile. Mm-hmm. 
you know, as shareholders, we watch this closely. And I think and it, it's pretty immediate. And, and, and it went down. I think it went down seven, up seven hundred points yesterday. It was down four hundred points the day before. And so, yeah, it's immediate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's not a good it. sign. Yeah, no, it's very dangerous. And, and I think there's probably uh, you might agree with this. There's a lot more that's coming down the pipeline that we can anticipate as shareholders, as voters, as mm. as uh, people who are involved in uh, you know foreign policy, foreign trade. Well, I think there's, unfortunately, I think the potential for greater instability is there. I mean, we have now a new leadership in the White House relative to foreign policy and at the State Department <clears throat> that is pretty hawkish. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, John the, Bolton. The John Bolton, who I once worked for uh, uh, in 1982. I think it's a, it would be a mistake to underestimate him. Uh, I think he's actually a, a very bright fellow, but he takes policy stances that are pretty hard line, mm -hmm. and they worry me a lot. Well, the president is surrounded by those, those by individuals, isn't he? Now, he sure is, you know? yeah. And I think that's something that we should really be worried about. It could be part <clears throat> of the message for, for delivery. I mean, maybe it's just the bark, not the bite. Well, I think traditionally um, <clears throat> the, the National Security Advisor is, is sort of a way station, not a way station, but <clears throat> someone who who, who kind of fields various inputs on foreign policy and at the end of the day weighs in on himself. But we really don't know if that's the way that, that uh, John Bolton's going to handle this. Uh, we just know that he's pretty hard line. And so um, there's, gonna, there's a lot of question marks right now mm -hmm. out there about this. There's a lot of concern. And not only in the United States, but overseas. You know, in, in one session on Tokyo on Fire, we just can't cover it at all. I, I hope that you can come back on again. We can talk about other specific issues. Sure. But before we wrap this session up, is there anything else that you'd like to add about what you've done or what you're going to be doing or what, what's in store for, for US, the U.S.-Japan relationship? Yeah, well, I mean, as for me, I, I just would like to relate a story that uh, of President Obama, <clears throat> that his mother had worked for the Asian Development Bank. He had told me that, and I remembered it. And then when he came to Manila in 2014, April. Um, state visit? A state visit to the Philippines. Otherwise, we would have brought him to the ADB. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but uh, the White House said he wanted to spend about 20, 20 minutes with me privately. So I uh, was able to do that. And um, uh, before I met with him, I thought to myself, now what am I going to talk about to, to the president about? Um, and so then I remembered the story about his mother. So I asked the ADB staff to find any and all reports ever written by his mother. And we found about 400 pages. And we collected them into a book, and a beautiful book called The Collected Works of Dr. Ann Dunham for the Asian Development Bank, presented to President Barack Obama April 28, 2014, by the United States Mission to the Asian Development Bank. And that's how you become the longest-serving ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very moved. A stroke of genius. Yeah, and he's, Big thick. Oh, yeah, it was 400 pages. And, he, and, and my staff was brilliant. I mean, they were amazing. They went through the whole book, and they, with a yellow marker, they outlined every place where his mother's name was in all of her writing. I never thought about that. Uh. And so when I gave it to him, he was moved. And I'll say this, that every time after that, even Sunday, when I was talking to him, one of the first things he said was, you know, Skip, he said, it was the best book in my eight years. Wow. Best president in my eight years of pre uh, president. Yeah. And in fact, it turns out he likes your wife more than he likes you. I think that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, thank you very much, Ambassador Orr. It's great to have you on the show. It's a, it's a great honor to sit here and talk with you. Please 
you know, let's make some time for you to come back again. Let's talk about some of these other issues. And I'm sure there'll be some hot buttons to keep this, this show on fire. You watching Tokyo on Fire, please stay tuned because we're gonna be hitting this over and over again to keep you up to date. Thanks. Hi everyone, welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. It is March 27th, 2018. In an astounding move, the president imposed tariffs on $60 billion worth of trade between China and the United States, and also a basket of other tariffs, which includes those imposed on Japan. Michael, this is a slap in the face to Prime Minister Abe, wouldn't you say? No, Mr. Abe is, I, if he weren't completely occupied right now with the Moritomo Gakuen scandal, would have to deal Steam. with the flowing out. Yeah, steam, fire, whatever it is that is, his, his hair is on fire right now, and he's lucky he has hair to have on fire. You know, but, but he, he did bring this golf club that was made in China. Yes, and it was a very expensive one, and, and he flattered the president and has gone to visit him and has made every effort, that, including turning head over heels literally for him at the golf course. Right. <laughs> uh, and... Many people thought that this was a masterful way for him to defend Japan's interests and in, in many ways buy the affection of Donald Trump, which seemed to be the only way to control events mm -hmm. in Washington. But that doesn't seem to have worked out entirely so well. No. America first, yeah. Ambassador Orr? Well, I think that's exactly, I think what Michael says is exactly right. I mean, <clears throat> this, is, this was a strategy that he embarked upon soon after the election. And uh, that was flattery and playing to President Trump's massive ego. And it doesn't appear to have worked out, especially as it relates to this tariff. Well, this isn't a shot in the dark. Something like this doesn't come up <clears throat> over a weekend or a couple of weeks. This is a massive change in, in policy shift. That, that impacts very negatively, you know, U.S. trade, but it, it hopefully is going to turn things over so that the United States produces more, that the United States gets more. Well, that's the story that that's Mr. The story, Trump, right? but, but the, the reality is, is going to be uh, a far more painful. Retaliation, maybe? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, we're gonna be paying, and this is why the, the, the shareholders on Wall Street are, are in a sense of a panic right now because they don't know where direction this is going because you know they're, they're worried about the hike in interest rates in the United States and then this is combined with it. So yeah, this is a critical situation. Right. Yeah. What do you think about uh, the president's comment? You know, they will, be, they will be smiling to themselves. How could we have gotten so much for so little over these last couple of years? It's about time for the United States to wake up. I think he's in dreamland. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I think that that anyway, many of the industries that he's moved quickly to, to protect and to promote are dying industries. Coal, really? Mm -hmm. uh, steel. Um, and, and I think that, 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 for example, in China, with their emerging massive solar energy uh, industry, they have to be jumping up and down. Mm -hmm. yeah. Will tariffs work? I don't think they will at all. They never, they rarely do. It's, it's, it, occasionally you see them work in selected areas. Uh, we saw uh, economic sanctions, for example, which are a form of tariff for many often. Uh, they worked pretty well in South Africa mm -hmm. uh, at the, during the, at the, before Mandela came back. And uh, so, but it, it normally doesn't. It normally doesn't. So I, it's, a, I think, a mistaken approach. With regard to the Chinese, though, the, the logic here is that they have been violating intellectual property. They've been riding on the United States. They're producing tablets and iPhones that are, are you know, just a, counterfeit. A counterfeit, right? Yeah. Well, I, I think that there is a problem with China trade in that respect. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't think it really relates to the steel industry. 
and I think, it, therefore, this can be a lot more select. I am not aware of any high-level negotiations that have gone on in, re, in recent times. You know, day-to-day -day negotiations happen all the time. Um, but I, you know, I mean, and then you have the president, on the one hand, you know, paying lip service to the president, Xi, uh, even saying that he they had a good visit, didn't they? You know, they had a great visit. You know, they got President Trump saying he wouldn't mind a lifetime presidency. So, I mean, th this stuff doesn't really help. Uh -huh. um, and um, and I think we're going to pay a price for it. Mm -hmm. The Japan focus there is, you know, what did Abe? What was Abe supposed to do to make yeah. make Trump happier? What what was left? He really, really abnegated himself. And and and. Some people, very few, uh, criticized him for being the pochi, the dog uh, mm. of, of Donald Trump. But most people in Japan saw that Japan had no alternative. Mm. Uh, and that a long-term ally that has gone the distance, unlike, let's say, Angela Merkel in, in, in Germany, who she's not in any way bent even a centimeter in the direction of Donald Trump and his massive ego, uh, in fact, has in fact pushed back against mm -hmm. it. Uh, Mr. Abe did the exact opposite. Uh, has been has been basically a supplicant and and and, and sweet talking Donald Trump. That Japan, in order to force Japan to into a bilateral uh, agreement, and of course this is people lower down who are telling the president this is the only way we can do it. You know, you you can, the only way to proceed is through intimidation and force. Mm -hmm. uh, that Japan is left off the list of allies who are exempt from the steel tariff, whereas uh, South Korea, because it's w been willing to play ball, uh, is going to get off. Uh, and, and they're going to be, it, it seems that they have some deal, maybe even on chorus, uh, mm -hmm. the Korea-US uh, trade uh, negotiations that Mr. Trump also wants to renegotiate. Uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the idea that of, of America first truly as the America is not a benign hegemon, but an intimidating, tough guy with big shoulders right. and, and, and saying, we have a big market and you want access to it, and if you're going to, you have to pay a, a huge price. There's always been a price, though. Yeah. And you know, one of the things, I can think of a certain thing that cannot irritate the Japanese anymore, and that is... Surprise. That, surprise always. And, and, but the other thing is, they're not included with the group of Europeans they're the outliers. Japan mm -hmm. is the outlier. Even the Korean, Japan is the outlier. And that is something that really gets under their skin. Mm -hmm. and I don't know how that wasn't considered when right. this decision went forward. Well, I can give you a good answer to that one. All the people who are Japan hands exactly. signed the letter that I will never serve for You're Trump. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, so there are no Japan hands in his, uh, in his yeah. circle, as it were. <laughs> Uh, I don't think there's no there's an inner circle aside from his family, but for the people who hover around yeah. him are have virtually no knowledge mm. or con contact with Japan. Was that an effective letter? Was that tactic? I mean, we've got another letter that's that's uh, in circulation or about to be published. Yeah. Isn't that right? Well, the letter that, that they're quite different. I, well, I think Michael's referring to is the letter in which about fifty or so or more. Um, Former foreign policy authorities in previous administrations have said they would never sign in a, a, a work for a Trump administration, and I think we have some mutual friends who are on that. Who I wish they were they hadn't done that. To be honest with you, because I think we They're need excluded them. Excluded now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would because I think we need them, uh, and I personally think that the letter was a mistake. But but I understand 
the, why they did it because of their commitment. To mm-hmm. the, the other letter, of course, refers to the um, the the two hundred ambassadors plus. Uh, and it refers it refers to the nomination of Pompeo as the Secretary of State, and what those two hundred plus of which I am also a signatory on that uh, basically are are saying these are the kinds of questions that Pompeo needs to worry about. Not you know, and one of the big ones is the whole collapse of the State Department personnel mm-hmm. situation. And so I think that that's that particular letter there, and that's very critical. That must be a really powerful letter. I mean, even you yeah. said yourself, you know, you're you're kind of on the bottom of the list. You were the longest serving ambassador yeah. in in the Obama administration, right. and still, comparatively, you're saying, you know, there there are guys there that hold hold a, a far larger torch than than I do. So it must be oh, a, yeah. a, a tremendous letter. Yeah, I mean, and of course, the, the way these things are signed, you know, it's not whether how long you were there or anything like that. Sure. Just whoever gets the email <laughs> signs <laughs> up, right? But but no, I mean, it is it, an impressive list, though. It's a it's a remarkable list, and right. it includes Republicans and Democrats, and it, it also has career and non career people. I was a non career ambassador, and and mm-hmm. it's very very impressive. And these they're very serious, and they're very worried. When will when will it be published? I'm not sure yet. I mean, I got this, uh, this month? yesterday. I just got it yesterday, oh. and there's already over 200 signed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll go to the the Senate. It's it's addressed to to the chairman and the and the minority of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and the hope is that there will be you know some questions generated from the letter. It'll hit the press. I, I don't know. I really mm-hmm. don't know how that's going to be handled, but. Uh, uh, I know that I <clears throat> I couldn't present it to the press uh, today because it's not completed. Mm. Yeah, you know, we're coming out of the ADB where you served for for yeah. six years, uh, shifting gears uh, from from a business span, standpoint and an investment and a development and a, and a finance standpoint. Mm-hmm. To putting aside the political security line, you know, h- how is this read uh, in? Well, first of all. In the in the institutions of e, of East Asia, not only the ADB but yeah. uh, ASEAN and and all the other capitals, well, how would they be seeing this? Well, it, the fact of the matter is is that the the current administration is opposed to international organizations, but not not indifferent. They're, he's opposed, uh, doesn't believe in them. Mm-hmm. So what it translates into is I left my post, you know, uh, January twenty sixteen. Um, and there's been there was an interim ambassador for seven months, who was fired the minute that Trump became president, mm-hmm. and that was a year January twenty of twenty seventeen, and there has not even been somebody nominated in that over one year period. Not even nominated, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and that's not only ASEAN is the same. Uh, all of these international work. We have fifty ambassadorial posts that are not filled today, right now. And many of them don't even have anybody nominated. There's nobody nominated for South Korea yet. We had one yeah. in the pipeline, he, an excellent man. Yes. And uh, we, we focused on that in, in an earlier episode of Tokyo on Fire. Yeah, it's, it's, it's shameful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, for Japan, because it's not a military power, it has always used international organizations as a absolutely. huge leverage, a way right. of leveraging up its, its, its influence internationally. Absolutely. And not having the United States there with them, specifically because they're both the top shareholders at the ADB. Exactly. And, and other, they, they have the same approach to all the other international organizations. Abe's on his own here. Mm. 
I agree with you. And, and you know, I mean, I, I've talked to the, the leadership of the, of the ADB, and I, I, it's the first question I get. I was there two weeks ago uh, in, in Manila. It's the first question I get, so who's, who's going to be, who's coming out here? And I said, you know, I call the president of the ADB, I call him Sosai, the Japanese word for it, and I say, Sosai, I wish I could tell you. Uh-huh. I'm, out, I'm out of the loop, you know, uh-huh. on this. And... Uh, yeah, it's a problem, and, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the Japanese do use international organizations. They don't like the blunt bilateral approach mm-hmm. if they can avoid it, you know. And they're, by and large, fairly effective. You know? uh, mm. So it's a problem, Pro- problem for them. Can we get back to the tariffs? Mm, sure. How is it, with the first meeting between the United States and Japan after President Trump became elected, it was an economic dialogue with the Minister of Finance, in the United States, Treasury Secretary. Remember, in, in Tokyo, they had this economic dialogue. How, after that, after Davos, can we have a tariff that just kind of comes up almost as if an ambush? I mean, with everything that's going in place, people need to know that. Wasn't this pretty much an, an ambush, Michael? Well, I, I cannot begin to understand the Trump administration because there's it, it's just basically... Uh, who spoke to Donald Trump last? What he saw on Fox News? Right. Uh, it's a. It's. It's not. It, 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 there's no process that we can identify. So I, I do respect uh, Mr. Abe's effort to try to get some handle on this completely uh, runaway train that's mm-hmm. going on on the United States. But we have to admit it's a runaway train, and for Japan that's been very difficult mm-hmm. to adjust to because the United States is so important. And in this case, being on the other, again, being isolated and ostracized and having the Koreans and the Europeans as friends with, with, with mm-hmm. at least in terms of the tariff exemptions, uh, that's, that must be killing. Uh, yeah. But, but it, in terms of the Japan's institutions, Inside the, inside the government, I'm sure there are people at, at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs who are looking at the Kante and saying, told you, uh-huh. told you, yeah. shouldn't have gone, shouldn't have put it right. all that effort in, yeah. because I'm sure they said, don't go, mm-hmm. don't, don't sell yourself out for this person, because he's, he's, you know, you know, he's, he's faithless. And, yeah. and I'm sure they were, they, that's what they were doing. You know, it reminds me, I, I, when, he, when, the, uh, when Abe went to see Trump immediately after the election, I was... I was very unhappy, as I mentioned. And I had dinner with a good friend of mine from the foreign, foreign ministry, and I kind of lit into him a little bit. And I said, how can you guys in the Gaim show? He, said, he just looked at me and he said, he said... It wasn't uh, our call. He said, uh, yeah. Kante Geico. Yeah. Kante Geico. That's all <laughs> he said. I said, ah. Oh, yeah. Prime okay. Minister's residence, foreign policy. Yeah, I get it. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. You know, I'm good. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it, uh, it could have gone a, a different way. I mean, uh, initially, when we analyzed it, we thought it was a good call. And, 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 yeah. and the people loved it. His, yep. his popularity ratings went yeah. up into the 60s. Right. Immediately after his meeting, yep. uh, he, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not, not just the one in November, but then the, what, his first trip mm-hmm. to, yeah. walk, to uh, Washington in Mar-a-Lago, soaring. Uh, he would certainly love to see those numbers today yeah. uh, in terms of his popularity ratings, which are in the 30s right now. Right. Uh, but it, 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 it has not uh, delivered. And, there are, and because of the emptiness in the rest of the administration, there 
are not the long-term ties that have always been there for the Japanese. Mm -hmm. with, with so many friends of Japan inside, particularly the State Department, but mostly in the Department right. of Defense, mm -hmm. that yeah. there were horizontal communications channels that Japan has always relied on. So it's not just that Abe has be, be, was betrayed by Trump, but that there's nobody in the lower echelons for Japan to use that channel in order to get what it needs right. and, and, to get all, and to get itself exempted mm -hmm. from the tariff list. You, you know, the irony is, is that most of Japan's friends with the elite here in Tokyo have actually been on the Republican side. Hasn't been on oh, sure. my side. I'm, I'm, I'm a Democrat. It's been the Republican side who always had these hooks with Japan, and they're not there. Uh -huh. They're just not there, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think this has been frustrating yeah. for, for Nagata Cho. Uh, this, this session is going a little bit long. We need to revisit this issue. But before we wrap it up, just to play devil's advocate just a tiny bit, what if this is the new game that we play? What if um, this is what we have to deal with from now on? that it's going to be bilateral relationships, that it's going to be, the world is going to be dominated by a Game of Thrones rather than <laughs> the United States policing and being the, 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 the leader of the free world and that sort of thing. What if this is, in fact, just prelude? Well, I think we should get used to, have, to looking to Beijing for, for global leadership then. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's, that's in the pipeline. I mean, it's so, so clear. I mean, when I went to the APEC meeting in Da Nang, I was stunned. Also, that for the first time, my fourth APEC meeting was the first time that the Chinese were the keynote. It wasn't the United States. Not a first. I was really amazed, and they had the longest speech, and it was all about yes. free trade, free economics. Usually, the speech that the Americans used to make. Well, look what they're doing in Africa. Oh, right, absolutely. So, absolutely. so there is initiative. There's there's motivation. There's money behind it. Yep. Uh, there is a, a grand vision that, that you know you wouldn't expect anything less from the Chinese. Well, one belt, one road, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is moving out through Central Asia. I looked at it, you know, close up firsthand as ambassador to the ADB, and I could see what what was going on, and with the creation of the AIIB, which actually has more member states than the, than the ADB does at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, uh, all of these things are an indication, you know, at Davos. Who, who was the leader of free trade and free market? It was the United States. Yeah. You know, it's, it's astounding. So we, we're going to have to get used to that. And um, something that I wouldn't want to get used to, but I think we, we may have to. In, in other words, we may have to do this broadcast in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. President Donald Trump imposes trade sanctions on many of his trade partners. The repercussions are yet to be seen. Please stay tuned. Hi everyone, welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is March 27th, 2018. Sorry we've been off the air for about a month, but we have a lot of catching up to do. A lot is going on politically. We're back on track now, and boy, is there a lot to report to you about what's going on in the Abe administration, what's going on with Moritomo. There are things going on in the diet right now. Michael, you tuned in. Well, we've been watching all day, or at least we've been bored out of our skulls all day by the performance by former tax division chief uh, Sagawa, who has been called into the diet to answer questions about the Moritomo Gakuen scandal. Can you imagine the fear that they must have, the finance minister, the prime minister? What is that guy going to say tomorrow? He better follow the script. That's what they were probably thinking of as they went to bed last night. Today, they're just sitting back in their chairs. He says, ah, now yeah. that's the kind of thing I like to hear, yeah. which is the sound of silence. Yes, and 
as opposed to the Moritomo Gakuen thing that we've been talking about, there's no tit for tat, so it's hard to, to hang a, a, a hook on, on the prime minister. But for this one, there is a tit for a tat. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything, and I, I get to keep my job, maybe. Well, he doesn't get to keep his job. He resigned oh, from that's it. Right. But, but, I mean, and that's I'm right. fairly sure that they're very quick on giving him his pension. Maybe not. Maybe that's what, what Abe has over him. But I mean, I mean, he's resigned. You're right. I apologize. He resigned, and so he's, a, he's not a public servant anymore. So he's what a free is, agent, yeah. What is the deal here? You remember the other guy that resigned? Mayakawa. Mayakawa, oh, great guy. Mayakawa, when he was no longer um, officially an official, he... He, when the opposition asked him questions, are these documents real regarding Kakigaku? And he said, yes. you better believe it. <laughs> I've seen them before. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, answering all the questions. But today, Sagawa is just saying, I have to, I just have to, uh, cannot respond to what you're saying. I can't, blah, 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 blah. And he's just, yeah. he's, he's, he's going to become a, a figure of tremendous hatred. Already the, the headlines at noontime from the various news organizations, the partisan ones that are anti-Abe, are just livid mm -hmm. at, at this you know, stonewalling that's going on. So right. in terms of the Moito Mogakuen scandal, there, there are two is issues at hand, and, which is, okay, what was the reason why the names of the prime minister, his wife, and other politicians, including the finance minister. Expunged. Why were they removed? Right. And who told you to do it? And those are the two questions that matter. Right. And he's not answering either That's of where them. There's a little snip there, and it just dies after that, well, up then, the hierarchy. And, and the thing is, there's, the opposition, of course, really wants, they, they never really wanted to have uh, Sagawa here. They, what they really want is the prime minister's wife. What do you think? And that's never going to happen. Okay. Uh, because Abe has been, he, he has been using his shoulder, using his elbow, whatever he can to keep the questions away from his wife. And in fact said the very absurd thing from a person who's supposedly a feminist. If you have questions to her, ask them to me. Mm -hmm. He sounded full of conviction on Sunday though, didn't he? Oh, when, when there was the party, the party had a party congress and there was a, a, a bit of tension going into the build-up to that because so many of the uh, potential rivals, like Ishibashige, mm -hmm. the former defense minister, like even Koizumi Shinjiro, Koizumi Shinjiro who, is... who should be thinking about the premiership 10 years from now, not now, mm -hmm. in the build-up to the party congress started saying uh, things about the, the, the lifespan of this premiership under Abe uh, as being limited and uh, that he really has to think yep. about the future. And many other rivals like Kishida Fumio, who have been quiet for the past few months, also piped up. And the reason for that, of course, has been Moritomo Gakuen and the absolute crushing of the, the Abe administrations, the Abe cabinets, support ratings in all of the polls. It does, it, it, all of the polls, whether from the, the left wing or the right wing uh, dailies, have shown absolute 9, 10, 11 point drops in support, right. and the same amount of do not support going up. Mm -hmm. And if looking at just the Kyoto poll, which I get, uh, the, it was a nine point drop, but if you looked at the internal numbers, what was the reason for it, what, was, what really got people into the not support column, the, the biggest jump was in, I do not trust the prime minister. Mm -hmm. Now for the party as a whole, that the prime minister is no longer trusted, and it, that is becoming 
a possible uh, barrier to them achieving what they really want to achieve in these one and a half years, which is get a constitutional revision passed, or at least it's not even a, it's a, a year and a three months because in 2019 they faced the House of Counselors election where they might lose the mm -hmm. two-thirds majority that they currently have in that. In that so within uh, that yeah. time frame, it, it, it's got to come up. It's, it's got to come up. It's yeah. got to, and it, and it, and you have to work backwards in time from that House of Counselors election. Right. You, you have to find a place for that referendum. Maybe and after the LDP election. Maybe after yeah. the LDP election in September, uh, they would need a 60 to 180 day discussion period for the amendment. That's mm -hmm. already getting into close to the new year. The new. Uh, the new diet session, which will discuss the budget, and then, of course, in May of next year, a completely new reign right. era with the abdication of the current emperor and the uh, the coronation. It's not really it's not, they don't put a crown on him mm -hmm. of the uh, of the new emperor. Where do they put that that uh, that referendum in, and where mm -hmm. do they put that that discussion period, and how do they control that discussion right. period? Mm -hmm. If Mr. Abe is in place. We know two things. One, more than 50% of the people do not want to have a constitutional amendment under Abe. And you need 50%. Today. Yeah, today. Today. So, so the trick is, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, you please, that's point. the thing. It, the, the, the trick is to create a groundswell of something else. So he needs something else, and it doesn't look like President Trump is going to give it to him, but he has to create something else that's going to hopefully carrying him over, it's on his agenda. Okay, he's got economic growth, he's got, uh, doesn't have 2% inflation, all these goals that he hasn't met for his Abenex project. Wage increase? Um, he's got, the wage increases are again, he has not been able to get major corporations to shell out the right. money that they have been putting in the bank, giving it to the, either their shareholders or more importantly to their workers. Right. Okay, but it's it's a mixed bag, and it's but it's but it's a period of growth, a long term period of growth. He he has that, but he has that regardless. And any replacement for him would have the same. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 set of policies are basically reduced down to the Bank of Japan buying anything and having monetary easing. Uh, the third arrow, the first arrow, fiscal policy and uh, structural reform have been. Desultory. Right. They, they haven't gotten any excitement. It's all about the Bank of Japan. Mm -hmm. That'll have be there for anybody who wants to replace him. Right. And in September, there is a, an opportunity. If this drags on and he stays in the 30s in terms of his cabinet support, and if people continuously say, at least 50% of the people continuously say, we will not vote for an amendment even if it's for, you know, the emperor is a great guy, right. a declaration of that in the constitution, we're not gonna vote for it because Abe is prime minister, then September looks really uncertain yes, it for does. him. And it's right around the corner. It really is. It, we, we think it's all the way months off, but it's, it's really around the corner and right. he has got to figure out what it is. Oh, it's possible that North Korea can provide some kind of boost and mm -hmm. certainly there have been little tiny boosts in his popularity sometimes in regards to missile tests or nuclear right. tests, but that fades away rather quickly. Uh -huh. uh, and what they need is a sustained cabinet support over 50% to even, even consider mm -hmm. the possibility of submitting an amendment, first to a vote in the diet and then going into this discussion period. Mm -hmm. And the discussion period will be brutal. Many of the, the, uh, the uh, newspapers are 
highly skeptical of the Abe administration now, and the Asahi Shimbun, which was beaten down, thanks to well, the Moritomo. Well, that's because all the knives are unsheathed. I mean, everybody smells but, the but, blood in the water. But Asahi was silent for the last two years. Mm -hmm. They really effectively neutered them. Right. Uh, but now, it's with the Moritomo Gakuen scandal, which it has played a great part in exposing, it's back to its old strength, and today, yep. for me, the, the, the real, the, the, the extraordinary thing that happened today was actually just a tiny announcement that NHK made during the, its broadcast of the, uh, regard, it's, it's broadcasting the, uh, the, 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 the diet testimony, but during its newscast, it said, we're not going to use the word kakikai. We're not going to use rewrite for what happened to the documents. We're going to use the word kaizan. Adulterate or, or, or falsify. Mm -hmm. that, we're not going to use the government's terminology anymore. Okay, they're going a little bit more pejoratively. That, way more pejoratively, and that's NHK. That's NHK. That's yeah. NHK having its Walter Cronkite moment. I do not believe what the government has been telling me. Mm -hmm. I have to go with what is factual. That's mm -hmm. my job. Uh, and that, that tiny shift is what sets the landslide going, right. I think. Right. Because it, that would be, that would be, that's a trigger moment for me. And it's tiny and it's small. It seems stupid that it's just a matter of language. But the use of language in this case creates the mm -hmm. mood. And it's mood that keeps Abe aloft. It's not achievements. Right. It's people saying, I can't see anything better. Mm -hmm. But when the moment comes for him, when they say, we can't take him anymore, the castles, the, the sand that's underneath his castle will just wash away. Right. Michael, you know, we talk about the closing of, of the diet. We talk about the, the collapse of the administration and uh, up for election again. And today, there was one person who held that power in his hand. The diet testimony of Sagawa could have gone a different way. And do you not agree that that could have caused a collapse of the administration? It's possible, it w but he would really have to have the, the ability to expose everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, and indeed, there would be repercussions for him along the line, and he has to think about his long-term viability. Well, there, are, there are other repercussions. I mean, somebody's already killed himself. That's true. Right? It's true. The, 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 the suicide, uh, seemingly by one of the members, one of the, a finance ministry bureaucrat who <clears throat> seemingly in his suicide memo, he didn't leave a note, he left a memo, said, I'm, I will, everyone's trying to make it my fault. Right that the, the documents were, 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 were doctored. Uh, he, yeah, Sagawa immediately resigned after uh, that rep news came out that someone had killed himself. Mm -hmm. uh, the, yeah, he's, he's definitely damaged goods. Now, Maekawa in the, from the Ministry of Education has become now a tribune of the people. And mm -hmm. many people want the bureaucracy to be that. For the longest time in Japan, right. in, in Japan, the bureaucracy was out of touch, was too arrogant, was too far away. We need politicians in charge. Right. And bingo, now with Abe and the change in the personnel laws that That's happened right. in 2014, the politicians are in charge and the people are saying, whoa. Well, that, that kind of that, allowed, enabled this, this situation that we it, have that, right now. The, the Sontaku story is right. the, it, the backstory to it is the 2014 mm -hmm. change, which gives the Kante far more power to control the top bureaucrats, right. the, the careers of the 600 top bureaucrats. In, it, it's always been there. There's been mm -hmm. a power, but not formally and not in, in terms of just absolute 
con mm -hmm. control. That has changed the dynamic, and the people who are longtime supporters of, you know, tr let's trim, let's let's trim the sails of, of these these Tokyo University graduates right. and their and their they're you know, arrogant. They're, 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 so, they're so far above us. The, these people who are up there in the clouds. Now they see, hey, wait, mm -hmm. that 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 ideological position they've always had. We're here to protect the nation and the people. Right. That wasn't a joke. You know, I have a different take on Sagawa. Initially, when we first started talking about this, I thought he was evil incarnate. But as this thing has developed, I think he's a, he's a victim too. How so? Because he, you know, he went to the University of Tokyo. He's cream of the crop. He went into the finance ministry, the pick for graduates. I mean, you have to be not only the top of your class, but the top, top percentile of your class. And then you go through 10 or 15 years of just arduous work in the trenches. And he rose up through that. And he's not going to think of something to do like, like it's being blamed on him. Just out of the blue, it doesn't benefit him. So definitely he was squeezed. Yes, he took the bait. He resigned as a result of that, but I think he's a victim. I think there are a lot of victims here. This kind, the way the government is run, it's top down. Somebody else in a higher position ordered him under penalty of losing your job or your prestige or whatever. But he was kicked upstairs. He was rewarded for his testimony and, last but, year, which we now know was largely, per, largely okay. doctored, adulterated perjury. Yes, I agree with you, but that, that what's he gonna that, say? What, you know, you're gonna get, okay, you know? Well, the thing is, if he, what he said was the truth and went through exactly everything that was in those original documents, Mr. Abe would have been forced to resign because right. Mr. Abe made that pledge in the diet. If you, exactly. if you find that I or my wife had anything to do with this Moritomo Gakuen land deal, I will resign not only as prime minister, but as a member of the diet. He put his marker down. And of course, you're right, the finance ministry will, will not put into a document that it submits to the diet anything that could even approach that declaration. And in so doing, they ended up with now with egg on their faces and now seen as spineless weak, at least at the very top uh, echelons of this, of this otherwise highly reputed organization. Right. A galactic change going on in Japanese politics, including the ministries and how the ministries are handled. You better stay tuned to this because this story isn't over yet. Stay tuned.